We'll make it. We all crew people with this out. If we have to stop and call for a while, we'll stop and call for a while. All right. Well, let's get us a songbook and stand together. We're going to turn to number 68. Number 68, sing face to face with Christ my Savior. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how he's going to do it. Yeah. I mean, it, 
Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, a bunch of us trying to chase after that non-deductible business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, uh, Diane. Yes. Came down with COVID. Oh, mercy. So I don't think the surgery is going to happen on the 13th. Goodness. But we still need to pray for her, the COVID and the surgery and all that. Amen. But it's not going to happen on the 13th. Okay. All right. Anybody else? Yes. I have. Okay. All right. Y'all pray for y'all pray for our household. I know probably pray for everybody's household. I think everybody's got a little bit of this. If they hadn't, you either go. It's kind of like troubles. You're either going into it, you're in the middle of it, or you're coming out of it. So, you know, it's just I think it's just a fact of life. This time of year, you probably got something around your ears or your sinuses or your back of your throat. So let's just pray that we all dry up and get well. Amen. But um, I, I got an unspoken prayer request tonight. Um, any others? And my sister's girls, they're doing better. All right. All right, well, let's lift their family up in prayer. All right. If that's nobody else, well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to meet with us tonight. Robert, lead us in prayer. Well, praise the Lord, and Amen. You can be seated. Three hundred and forty-five. 
345, what a friend we have in Jesus. Three hundred and forty five. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We Never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so <laughs> Sorrow shared. Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak in With a load of care, <laughs> take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friendless life forsake thee. Take it to the Lord in prayer. If his arms still take him, he'll be. Hey, man, that was down in the basement there. Praise God. <laughs> I tell you, if I didn't have bronchitis, I couldn't have sung that one. Hey, Amen. Praise God. Turn to 113. 113. We ain't got a bake but one more, y'all. We make it through this one, and we can all still breathe. We're good. Hey, Amen. Listen, we're praising God, and God, God hears us coughing and wheezing, but, you know, it still sounds like music to his ears. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my father's throne. May call my wants and wishes known in seasons of distress and grief <laughs> and found relief and all escape the tempter's snare my life return sweet out of prayer, we are of prayer, we are of prayer, thy wings shall not petition bear to him whose truth and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless. And said, he bid me seek his place, believe his word, and trust his grace. I'll cast on him my every care and wait for thee, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer, may I thy consolation share. Till from thou bidst the lofty height, I view 
is manifesting in your life because you've spent time with God. And, and again, whoever we hang out with, uh, I was talking to somebody about this this other night. <clears throat> whoever you hang out with, that's who you're going to act like. When I was a teenager and I spent too much time with one of my friends, my grandpa, he'd say, boy, you need to spend so much time with that boy. I can tell. It's, it's showing on you. And, uh, you know, but when we spend time with God, it does the very same thing, and it shows up on us. And the Bible says wisdom's found on the lips of somebody, amen, who, who, who has understanding. And, 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 again, whatever's in you is going to be on your lips and tongue. You know, the words people speak reveal the wisdom they possess. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So, again, that's what he's saying there. And, and the Bible says in the second part of that verse, though, a rod is for the back uh, of him that's void of understanding. You know, and pe- people that lack wisdom, you can try you can try being nice and you can try telling them, but if they don't get it, eventually it's going to take pain. That's just the way it goes. You know, if you don't listen, I tell you once or tell you twice is when you're a child and you keep ignoring me, eventually I'm going to have to, Get that hand and say, hey, you better listen to what I'm saying. Of course, that screaming goes in their own and all that stuff takes place. But eventually, a child gets where they understand. I don't want to feel pain, so I'm going to listen. And, you know, that has to happen with us too. But <coughs> but people that go on through life and ignore God trying to teach them stuff, eventually God is going to allow pain to come into their life because they're not learning any other way. And the... Uh, and he uses a rod here uh, to, to, to give us that idea, that picture, you know, that the so-and-so is going to have to learn the hard way. And understand that when he says a rod is for the back of him that's void of understanding, the rod is, uh, some preacher I was reading after, he said a rod denotes a part of a tree from which a staff or a weapon could be made. So it's at least a tree limb. I mean, you're talking about a pretty good, like an axe handle. An, a whooping with an axe handle is for him that's, that is void of understanding. Hard whooping. I don't know if any of y'all have ever been whooped with something like that, but I have. I have been whooped with a stick. I've, I've had somebody attack me with a stick. I, I know. I know what that feels like. That ain't no fun. And, and you know, but, but God is telling us here, man, you need to get some wisdom. Amen? But there's a whole lot of people in this world and I know y'all, y'all got the Word of God in your lap right now, and I'm not fussing at nobody here. But, you know, there's a lot of people, there may be people listening in that don't ever read the Word of God. They, 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 don't, they don't listen to what God has to say. They've been bumping their head against the wall all this time. And, uh, you know, and again, that's why, that's why you're miserable. It's because you're not letting God teach you. And we know that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. And so many people keep trying to do it their own way. Keep figuring, I, I know what I'm doing. I'll figure this out. No, you won't. You're not until you turn your life over to God who made you, who fashions you, who, 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 has your, who has your life already laid out before you if you just listen to it. But uh, so many people have to learn the hard way with that, with that word rod. Or we can substitute the word paddle or corporal punishment or whatever you want to say, prison, whatever it takes for somebody. But uh, verse 14. The Bible says, wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. <clears throat> wise men lay up knowledge. Wisdom, what wisdom does is wisdom takes knowledge and it breaks it down and it makes it accessible for people later on. Uh, you know, you can do this a lot of different ways. You can memorize you can memorize knowledge. You can hide it in your heart. It's there for somebody later. It's there for you later. Wise men lay out knowledge. I mean, I, I, I mean, you should study the Word of God. You ought to memorize the Scripture. And I know some people say when you try to tell them to memorize Scripture, oh, we ain't got time to do all that. Well, someday your Bible may be taken from you, literally taken from you by somebody with a gun who says you can't have that anymore. That's happened in so many places in this world. And to think that it could never happen here is foolishness. But it could literally happen here. And if so, what are you going to do when you ain't got a Bible if you hadn't got it hidden in your heart? <laughs> you know, we, we've got to have it. You know, right? You know, it, 
Some people don't take notes. But, you know, it's valuable. Those notes are I can't tell you how valuable it is. So when I turn through my Bible sometimes and I run across a note that I wrote down that I forgot that I wrote down, and I go, wow, I, you know, I ain't even thought about that, but that's good right there. And, and if I hadn't wrote it down, I would never say it again. So, you know, it's very important that we that we take notes. It's very important that we, if God puts an idea across our mind, write it down. If you don't write an idea down, it's gone. It's gone forever. It'll never be back again. If God gave you that idea, he wants you to hang on to it. So, so again, write things down. Lay up knowledge. The Bible tells us we ought to. And, you know, I mean, we've got a million different ways to record things now. You can say it on your phone and record it. I mean, there's no excuse for us not following the wisdom here and laying up knowledge. But the Bible says the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. The foolish man is in contrast to the wise man, and he rejects the knowledge that's given to him. I mean, to his own destruction. He says, I don't care. I don't need all that, even though he does need that to be successful, to 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 exist. I mean, you need knowledge, but so many people... The one, they, they die for a lack of knowledge. I mean, they end up causing their own ruin because they don't know how to live and successfully survive in this world. But beyond that, spiritually, we need God. We need his wisdom. We need his knowledge. We need. I mean, again, if, if my watch was broke, I wouldn't take it to the tire shop and get it fixed. I'd take it to the guy that made it. Amen? And you know what? I'm, if I'm going to fix my life, I can't, I can't go to a psychiatrist because he, he ain't got a clue. <laughs> I can go to the doctor and say, well, I'm depressed. Here's a bunch of pills that the drug company told me would fix you. Here, take these. No way I can go on a big vacation. I mean, that that happens, but that, that they don't know how to fix you. The only person that can fix you is the one who made you. And when you go to him, he is able to fix you. Amen? God is able to do the things that man can't do. <coughs> we need God. If we don't, if we don't seek after God, uh, listen, we're, we're, we're just condemning our own life. We're just ruining our own selves. And we'll bring it on our own selves by ignoring the one who made us. Verse 15, the rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Y'all excuse me. Thank goodness I don't have a microphone on. Praise the Lord. The rich man's wealth, verse 15, is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. I mean, I'm not going to sit up here and deny the fact that when somebody has wealth, that gives them a measure of protection against certain things. It provides for them so that they feel some security. But if we really, if we examine well, in, especially in the book of Proverbs, I think there's ten times that wealth is mentioned in the book of Proverbs. I'm not positive, but I think it's about ten times. And about half of them are teaching, are teaching the young man to, to value that wealth, and the other half are teaching him not to trust in that wealth. So you have to look at it and say, well, wait a minute. I'm supposed to value it, but I'm not supposed to trust in it. You know what that reminds me of? A tool. I value that tool because I need that tool to fix something, but I know I can't trust in that tool because that tool may fail me. And that's the way money is. It's just a tool. And if people could understand that, they'd be a whole lot happier in life. Um, you know, the Bible says, again, I was telling you, half of them are about, half of them are about uh, valuing it. Proverbs 3, 9 Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So we're we're <laughs> we're to value it. We're to honor God with it. Proverbs twelve twenty seven. The slothful man roasteth not which he took in hunting, but the substance of the diligent man is precious. His wealth is precious to him, 
but the slothful man doesn't value it. But again, the message is just a tool. It's just a tool. It's necessary, but it's just a tool. It's only the means to an end. It reminds me of an old poem that somebody made a song out of. It says, for the one of the nail, the shoe was lost. For the one of a shoe, the horse was lost. For the one of a horse, the rider was lost. But for the one of the rider, the message was lost. For the one of a message, the battle was lost. For the one of the battle, the kingdom was lost. And all for the one of a horseshoe nail. Again, horseshoe nail is not that valuable unless you need it at that moment. And, you know, and money, again, I can be happy without money. I, I, I can be happy. I mean, give me very simple things to keep me happy. I don't have to have a lot of money to be happy. But, uh, but you know, again, it's necessary at times. And, and again, mail might, might not be that invaluable, but it's necessary at times. And money is just, it's just currency. I mean, it, it's really nothing, to be honest with you. I mean, really, it's only the value we put on it. It has no intrinsic value of its own, but it's necessary. God wants us to see that, and that's why, again, I think why he says the love of all money is the root. The love of money is the root of all evil. Because, again, it's not, it's not having money because, again, there are wealthy people in the Bible that do great things for God, and, and there are wealthy people today that are doing great things for God. But there are also wealthy people today who are very... Very, very selfish and, and miserly and taking advantage and hurting other people, and, and they're miserable themselves. <clears throat> but anyway, let's get, in, let's get into the second half of this verse. He, he talks about the destruction of the poor. <clears throat> Again, the destruction of the poor is their poverty. And, and, you know, in this world we live in, being in poverty, I mean, that puts a person, that puts a, a poor man in a great disadvantage. How do you get out of that? And sometimes they can't get out of that. And, you know, and, and, and I know people say, well, why does God allow there to be poor in this world? It just ain't fair that God... Look, Jesus said you always will have the poor with you. That's just a condition of sinful world. There are always people striving to be above others. I mean, you're always going to have some at the bottom and some at the top. That's just the way it is. And And... But, it, again, it just shows us the power of wealth. And, and, again, it's a tool. And it will, and it can be used as a terrible tool against someone to, to hurt them greatly, and it can lead to their destruction. Anyway, let's just keep going. Verse 16, the labor of the righteous tendeth to life, but the fruit, the fruit of the wicked to sin. The labor of the righteous tendeth life you know whatever a righteous woman or a man does i mean whatever they're doing their work ought to be it ought to be life-giving it ought to be leading to things leading and tending to life and not destructive i mean if we're a child of god the part, I mean, the things that we do ought to be for our own benefit and the benefit of others alongside of us. So I think that's what the Bible's talking about there when it says the labor of the righteous tendeth to life. You know, we, we understand that we're not down here just by ourselves, existing by ourselves. The Bible calls us co-laborers with God. First Corinthians 3, 9 talks about that. You know, and, and we're, we're to be working together with God to, to build up the kingdom of God, to bring souls into the family of God. And so the, the labor of the righteous tendeth to life because it's the work of God, which is edifying the body of Christ. But the fruit of the wicked is sin. Wickedness has a reward just like righteousness has a reward. And the reward of, of, of sin and judgment, and listen, the wages of sin, is death. I mean, the Bible tells us that plainly. And to the person listening in to us tonight who's just living however they want to live and don't think that God matters or what he said matters, you need to understand that, listen, he made this world. Regardless of what you think, he made this world, and it's his world, and he's the judge of it. And when he says that the, that, that the wages of sin is death, he means that, that there is not going to be eternal life at the end of the road if you're, if you're not going to seek his forgiveness, if you're not going to seek his cleansing. The end payment for your sin is to die and go to hell, and that's all there is to it, unless you accept the gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ, through his shed blood believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. <clears throat> Verse 17. The Bible said, he is in the way of life. 
that keepeth instruction. But he is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. So the person that keeps instruction, he says that he's saying that he's not telling us just to go and, 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 and get wisdom, but he's saying we need to keep it. Wisdom and again, we, we gotta we we gotta keep getting it. We gotta hang on to it. The, the keeping, the keeping of it, is what is is what's beneficial to us. It's not just the getting. Because you know what? Listen, we can read something and forget. It. Read something. And, uh, listen, we need to hide these things. Again, it goes back to memorization and study. I, listen, I've I've read things that I've forgotten. I've read Bible verses and forgotten them. And, you know, and, and go back later and think, oh, I forgot I read that. I forgot that verse, you know. Listen, we need to hang, we need to memorize these things and hide these things in our heart. You know, the, the, word, the word of God, it is the way of life. If we want to walk in it, we need to keep, we need to keep laying it before us. We need to keep, keep it ever before us and growing in it and beginning to understand it deeper as we go. But the Bible says, he that refuses reproof, he that refuses reproof, erreth. The word reproof means correction. To refuse correction is the opposite of keeping instruction. So, again, we're talking about contrast here. There's the person that, that says, you know what, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. There's a lot of people like that, not just young people. I mean, I know there's a lot of young people, and especially raising teenagers lately. I've run into a whole lot of that. I don't want you telling me what to do. I want to do what I want to do in business. And so that's fresh. But I realize, you know, that ain't just teenagers. There's a lot of people in their 20s. There's a lot of people in their 30s and their 40s and, and on up that still say, you know what, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And, uh, you know, there's a lots of people that are stubborn and and and, and Turn with their own will, and, and they don't care what God said. And the Bible says, then the person that says, you know what, you're not going to correct me, God, that's the opposite of keeping his instructions. And, it, and you know what it is? It's rebellion. It's the same thing, listen here, it's the same thing as witchcraft in God's eyes. When you said, God, I ain't listening to what you say, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to. God says that's the same as witchcraft. It says that in the Word of God. Matthew Henry said it is, it is as bad to set up other gods as to live in disobedience to the true God. You might as well, if you're not going to listen to what God said, this is, this is dead serious. Matthew Henry said you might as well go home and set your little Buddha up and worship it. Set you up a little Hindu thing and worship it. If you're not going to listen to what God says, because by ignoring God, you what you're doing is just as bad as worshiping some other God. Because you know what God you're worshiping? The one that you see in the mirror. That's the one you worship. And if you don't want to do what God has to say. <clears throat> and nothing provokes God like disobedience. When we set our own will in competition with God's will and say, you know, I don't care what you want. I'm going to do what I want. That's a dangerous place to be in. Uh <clears throat> And that person is rejecting instruction from the God that made them. And you know what that's going to do? If you if you if you use something contrary to its instruction, it's going to destroy it. I mean, you know, I get a brand new shoe. I use it for a hammer. It won't be a good shoe very long. Will it? No, you know. Again, if you use your household blender to mix things up. Out in the yard, it ain't going to work very long. I mean, you use it for the design purpose, and God did not design us to do whatever we want to do, however we want to do it. He designed us to function within his will. Verse 18. He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. A person who hides hatred with lying lips. You take somebody who's motivated by hatred. That's a bitter person. That's a person who's seething under the surface, and you can't necessarily see it on the outside because they're hiding it from you. It, again, this is the kind of person you better not get around and spend much time around because they're going to hurt you. They're going to take advantage of you and do something to you. But they're, they're motivated 
uh, again, by their hatred to hide their to hide their uh, their motivation, and, and and so they need to lie about it. And you know, most times you try to say somebody hates somebody. Now I don't hate nobody. I don't hate nobody. Nobody hardly admit to hating people, but they do. They just don't want to admit it because it sounds so awful. <clears throat> but God said, whoever hides hatred, and that happens all the time. People hide hatred. I, I mean, it's no telling how many people who are full of resentment towards somebody else, and it, 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 and it just turns to a deadly hatred. And they dwell on revenge. They dwell on cruelty. They dwell. They, they even sometimes think about killing somebody because they're so angry and they hate them so bad. And, and they they pretend like the hurt that was dealt to them, it wasn't no big deal. And they're fine. And they'll just smile. And, 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 and their lying lips will cover up their wicked heart. And they really genuinely plot your hurt and your ruin. There are people like that. And God says, that person's a fool. He said, that, person, that person's a fool. He, he said, he that uttereth a slander is a fool. That's a person that spreads lies about people. And that's the kind of person we're talking about here. They'll lie to your face and act like everybody's fine, but they'll stab you in the back as soon as they get away from you. And 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 God is God is explaining that that's the way this person is, and uh, and they 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 do it. They try to they try to hurt you. They just they'll say whatever they want to around around you behind your back. I mean, slanders, false and unsupported accusations against somebody else, and, and you know a person like that again, they'll, they'll smile to your face, but they'll stab you in the back. And God's warning us about that kind of person. And, and, the, and the Bible says, God says that person is an absolute fool because God knows what's going on. They can tell anybody else anything they want to, but God knows the truth. And, God, and, and God's going to judge righteously. And it don't, make no, it don't make no difference what you think or what you, what you think you're going to get away with. God heard every word. He knows everything. So let that be a, a, a word to those who, who may be full of uh, hatred or ugliness in their heart towards somebody else. Verse 19. I'm not sure how far we're going to go here, but we still got a little time. Verse 19, the Bible said, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Again, I said, I said something last week about it, but when I was a kid, boy, I was a blabbermouth. And I and I used to get fussed at by oh I don't know everybody in my family is just about about always running my head. You know, my daddy'd say, "Boy, you tell everything you know. Everybody gonna get sick of you. They'll know everything you know. They won't be won't want to be around you no more because you're gonna tell everything you know." And the Bible said in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. A blabbermouth keeps talking and talking and talking to hear themselves talk. Eventually they're gonna say something they shouldn't say. You know, and, and again, I find that people that like to talk a lot, guess what they like to do a lot too? They like to brag a lot, and and, and pretty soon you start telling tall tales. Uh, you know, you start you start talking about stuff that really didn't happen that you just wanted to happen because it sounds good. And you want to impress somebody, tell them some story or something. Listen, again, you keep flapping your bumping your gum, flapping your jaws. Eventually, you're gonna end up saying something you shouldn't have said. But the Bible said, "He that refraineth his lips." is wise. There's way more potential sin in talking than there is listening. You don't hardly ever sin when you're listening. Amen? It's hard to do that. So we ought to work on being good listeners and rather being good talkers, I think. <clears throat> but the Bible says keeping your mouth shut is wise. He that refraineth his lips is wise. And, man, a lot of us could really bless others and keep ourselves out of trouble if we just speak less and refrain our lips. Sometimes I think the internet has really not done us any favors. You know, anytime somebody says something or posts something, you might, oh, somebody's got a comment back on it. You know, and we often run off of the mouth on with the keyboard more often than we do in person. And I think that's something we need to be careful of too. Uh, and I'm talking to myself up here just as well as I'm talking to you. Verse twenty: the tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is little worth. <clears throat> you know, people 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 polish silver, man. People people hold on to silver. 
and they value it. I, I know people put it in the strong box, so stick it in the closet and keep it uh, for safekeeping because it has lots of value. And the Bible says the tongue of the just is just like that, full of lots of value. Why is that? Well, I think it's because the tongue of the just, that's a person that's saved by grace. That's a person who, who's, who has the Holy Spirit of God living within them. They're washed in the blood of Jesus. They're redeemed, and they have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit of God is manifesting in their life. And so the things that come from their lips are going to be good things and blessings that full of goodness and benefit to other people, just like choice silver would be. You can take choice silver and cash it in and get a lot of money so that you're able to do all kinds of good things for people. And someone's words can do that too. You know, some someone's words can, can, can be of more value than money. I tell you, I've been given, and I can't sit here and list you, but I, I've been given pieces of advice in my life that were probably worth more than hundreds of dollars because it saved me heartache and headache and time. And, and, and you know, just people giving me pieces of advice of the Christian life of how to live for God. You know, when somebody told me, listen, quit trying so hard. Let God do it. Quit, you quit trying to impress God. Let God do the work. Let the Holy Spirit do what he's there to do. You quit trying to do his job. That's one of the greatest pieces of advice somebody ever told me. Because, I, you know, you, 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 you get all excited to please God. You just, you, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go do whatever God wants me to do. But I'm not listening to what God wants me to do. I'm doing what I think God wants me to do. I'm trying to out, outrun God. You can do that when you get all excited about the Christian life. You're not careful. One, one thing I learned a long time ago, on anything important when it comes to the Christian life, the devil's going to get you to either stop too short or he's going to get you to go too far. He don't want you to. He don't want you to line up with God. He wants you to be out of kilter with God. You know, some people fall in the direction of their weaknesses. Some people fall in the direction of their strengths. They go overboard. And so, you know, I don't know why I'm bringing all that up, but we got we have to have balance in our life, and and we need to make sure that the things that come forth from our tongue, the things that we speak, are of value. And uh, the Bible says the heart of the wicked is worth little, so little worth. You know, there, there are some people that have big hearts, and there's some people that ain't got much heart at all. And a wicked heart certainly don't have much value. It ain't worth much at all because they're not going to care. They're not going to treat you right. But you know what? I'm thankful that God still loves wicked hearts. I'm, still th- I'm thankful that God still loves the heart of the sinner, and he wants him to be saved. And that's why he let Jesus come into this world and die for that sinner. Who did before he even knew who Christ was? Christ already died for his sins, and I'm so thankful that God wants to change that wicked heart into something greater than it is. I'm thankful that He wants to wash that heart as white as snow. All right, let's keep going. I think we got time for a little more. Verse 21: The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. Again. We're talking about the uh, we're talking about the lips and the words. There's a lot of this in this in this in this verse of uh, I mean this this chapter uh, chapter ten. <clears throat> but he's saying the lips of the righteous feed many. I don't think it's a literal statement. I think that'd be kind of an odd literal statement. But I think we know what it means. It's a symbolic sense. The good and the w- beneficial words that's spoken by. A, a, a Christian, somebody who knows the Lord Jesus Christ, somebody who has a, a good relationship with Jesus, that's beneficial to our spirit as somebody giving us food, somebody bringing over some good wholesome food to cook for you and over to your house. I mean, listen, you can sit down and you ain't feeling good and eat a big wholesome meal to make you feel a whole lot better, but, but the words of somebody who genuinely cares for you, somebody who loves the Lord, who will bring a blessing, speak a blessing into your life, I mean that's hard. That's hard to beat somebody that takes the time to to help you in some way with their words uh, to point you in the right direction. I thank God for the people who've invested in me over the years. It's hard, you know. It's hard to beat somebody who cares enough about you and seeks your good and 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 goes out of their way to to speak good into your life, to encourage you, to lift you up, to say, "Hey, listen, I see you trying, and I want to let you know I, I see that, and 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 I'm and you know, I'm praying for you." And I want to encourage you. You know, do that for somebody. You know, 
It doesn't cost us anything. It doesn't cost us a thing to encourage somebody else. And, you know, there are people out there that need encouragement. I mean, I need encouragement. I don't know. Do y'all need encouragement? I do. I mean, I, I want somebody every now and then to say, hey, listen, I'm praying for you. I mean, what a blessing it is to know somebody's somebody's thinking about you and praying for you. I have friends of mine, just out of the blue, I'll get a text message, just got finished praying for you. You know, that means something. That really means something. Again, I, I talked about my friend Mark Wheeler talking about praying for prodigal sons. He, he said, I'm praying for prodigals. You got any? I said, put them all on there. I need them all on there. You know, and like I said, he's like him sitting down behind me in a tug of war contest and grabbing the rope and saying, hey, I'm in this with you. You know, again, we all, the lips of the righteous feed me. That was food to my soul when he said, I'm going to pray for your kids. Amen. That helped me beyond measure. So don't ever underestimate saying the power of speaking good words into somebody's life, speaking beneficial, righteous words into their life. The Bible says fools die for a lack of wisdom. I mean, if, if we don't speak those words into somebody's life, I mean, what may happen in their life if they don't have any encouragement? What happens if they don't have any direction? We don't, I mean, the Bible says fools die. They, they, that, <clears throat> you know, they may reject wisdom, they may reject God, but if we don't ever offer him to them, how will they ever know? Listen, I, I can't go and say, well, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will take care of it. Somebody else will speak to them. If God puts it on your heart, don't put it off on somebody else. Because God didn't call somebody else to do it. God laid it on your heart. So don't don't keep it. Let, let's, let's don't keep God tuned out. Let's keep God tuned in. Let's be listening for what God would have us to speak to other people. And, and God will lay things on your heart. The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart sometimes to speak to somebody about something. And if he does, you ought to do it. You ought to listen to him, and he'll help you. Uh, verse 22, and we'll stop on this one. That's a good one, too. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Amen. The blessing of the Lord Make somebody rich. There's there's a whole lot of people who've been blessed with riches, and they're wise enough to receive those blitch, uh, those those riches. I can't talk here for a second. I don't know what a blitches is. <laughs> I'm getting all tangled up. But they're wise enough to receive the riches that God gives them as a blessing from God. And and so you know what they do the right thing with those things that they've been given. Uh, they understand that, like the Bible says in James one seventeen, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I love that verse. Amen. It's saying that God's good, and God has He's never He's never varied in His goodness. The Bible says neither shadow of turning. That means there ain't even there ain't even an idea that He might change. I like that. God, God is is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you know what, <clears throat> again, everything that I've ever been given in my life that's any good, it comes from God. Mm-hmm. Every bit of it. You know, I tell people if you ever see anything good in me, it's not me. It's God because I know me, and I know I'm no good. It's only Him that's anything in me that's any good. But praise God, when you have God's blessing in your life, you're a rich person. I mean, think about it. There's people out there in this world that ain't got a clue where they're going when they die. They're poor as they can be. They have they have no spiritual riches, and they're trying to navigate through this wicked world of sin to find some peace and some happiness and some joy and some comfort, and they cannot find it. Everything they find is temporary. It's fleeting. And you and I have found the rock of our salvation. You and I have found the peace in the valley. You and I, you and I have, have what they only wish they had if they knew they needed it. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. The Bible says, and, and the greatest thing about it is the second half of that. And he added no sorrow with it. 
he addeth no sorrow with it. You know, you think about the people of this world who have so much money and yet their lives are so empty. Again, I, you know, I think about movie stars. They've got they make millions and millions every time they make a movie. Most of them are strung out on some kind of drug or, or you know, they're alcoholics or they're caught up in Scientology or some kind of garbage. You know, most of them, their life is just it's so empty. And, and, and they are, and you can, you can listen to them talk and you can tell that their lives are empty and they're always chasing after some kind of new age thing or some spiritual healer or some kind of something, trying to find answers. It's because they've ignored God and they've accepted the devil's lie and they're chasing after the fame and fortune that he's promised them. But, and, and, and again, all those dreams of stardom and and, and getting their, their their star on the Walk of Fame and being a, and and winning all those awards and holding them up, you know, and you know, and I've seen those people. And listen, I don't watch them award shows, but I have the internet. I, I hear people what they say and them, you know, and and being so ugly. And and I remember seeing one woman here a while back. She was saying something horribly ugly to, about Jesus. Because she said, all these people get up here and thank, thank Jesus. She said, there's some, nobody who has absolutely less to do with this award than Jesus. And she said some ugly words to Jesus. And, and, you know, again, all that glory that that woman thinks she has, someday she's going to have to kneel before the God of all creation. Someday before the, the, the white throne judgment of God, unless she unless she comes in repentance and repents of her sin and, and begs God for his mercy and forgiveness, she's going to kneel there before that, that great white throne judgment seat and, and have to confess that he is king of kings and lord of lords before the angels pick her up and toss her into that lake of fire for all eternity. <clears throat> and all that glory, all that fleeting moments of fame and time she was on TMZ and Hollywood uh, Entertainment Tonight and all them shows. All that stuff means absolutely nothing when you're boiling in sulfur and your face is melting and you're crying out for a drop of water. It means absolutely zero. He has no sorrow with his. Amen? It's a bigger It's a bigger blessing on top of a smaller blessing. He gave you the wealth, but he didn't. He gave you the blessing of not having not having to be sorrowful in your riches. To have God bless you with riches is certainly to be blessed. If God trusts somebody to have a little bit of, of, of wealth, a little bit of prosperity, I mean, what a blessing that is. But to have that and to not have the sorrow that comes along with those who strive only after money and trying to gain those things in this world, what a blessing it is to have peace and and. And, and to have peace of mind and to know that, that, that your heart's right with God and to, and to give back with that what you've been given and, and see God take and, and, and bless that. There's so many rich people in this world that are so miserable and have such sorrow in their lives with their riches. They can't find any happiness. Their children go to ruin. Their marriages go to ruin. Unhappiness. You know, thank God. You know, he said he adds no sorrow. There, there's three vultures that constantly feed on a worldly, wealthy man's heart. Three vultures. Number one is the vulture of care and getting. Because you know what? He, the Bible says, he that loveth silver shall never be satisfied with silver. So if, if that's what you're after, you're never going to get enough. Again, you took at somebody like Bill Gates. How much money has he got? And he's literally, he's literally, and I don't care what Facebook thinks about it or anybody else, he's literally murdering people with vaccines to, to, to get rich. He has killed so many people in Africa. It's ridiculous what they've done over there at, with, with those vaccines and sterilizing people. I mean, listen, godless and heartless. And you know good and well that man can't sleep good at night. You know good and well when he lays his head on his pillow knowing the things that he's invested in and the money that he's pumped into murder and everything else. There's no way that man can sleep good at night. You take Hillary Clinton, all that she's gained in this world. You think that woman can sleep good at night knowing where she's going to end up in hell? No way. No way. Listen, but you know what? All they care about is getting more and more and more because, again, that's all they have to look forward to is what they can amass on this earth. There's the care in getting. Again, that vulture feeds on them constantly. But then there's also 
the fear and keeping it. How are we going to hang on to all this? You know, when, when, you're, when you're stressing over having it and getting it, how am I going to hang on to it? And then and not only is there the care in getting it and the fear in keeping it, but then there's the grief in losing it. You know, the Bible says the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I've gained and I've lost in this life, and I've rejoiced and praised God through it all. And, you know, God's been so good to me. Even in the times of loss, he's been as good to me as he was in the times of gain. <clears throat> you know, God, God's so good. Listen here. God gives us wealth without woe. God gives us store without sower. I'm going to give you some black preacher stuff tonight. <laughs> He gives us grief. No, he gives us gold without guilt. Listen, when God blesses you, you don't have to feel guilty about it. And sometimes God will. God will just bless you. I've been blessed by God so many times, and I'm so grateful. Listen, and I want to bless others when God blesses me. Amen? Listen, God's good, and God will keep being good. And, I, and I've told you for it. You know, you give, and God... You give with a you give with a shovel and God give back with a corn stew. I mean, He gives back with a bigger. You know, it's what He says. You you give and I'll give back. What did He say? Press down, shaking together, running over. That's the way God says. But it, you got to give first, or He won't give back like that. But again, He added no sorrow with it. I'm almost done. I said I was going to wrap it up. I didn't realize that point was so long. But I'm going to finish this thought, and I will. But you take a look in the Bible. You see this proof played out about how, about how, you know, that sorrow is added when God is not in, in the wealth. For example, you take real quickly, when Lot and Abraham, we were talking about that the other day, about Lot and Abraham, you know, and, and, and Abram told Lot that, hey, you choose what you want. He chose the well-watered plains of Jordan towards Sodom. And, you know, it says right there in, in, in verse 10 and 11, chapter 13, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, and it was well-watered everywhere <coughs> before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like unto the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar, then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. It was his covetous nature. He said, I don't want to live over there. It looks like West Texas. I don't want to live over there in Canaan. Good grief. They don't scrub brush and rocks and stuff. And Mesa's, I don't want to go over there. Heavens, no, man. Look at, look at this. It looks like a garden of Eden over there. Covetous. He said, I ain't taking that scrub brush. You can have it, buddy. I want well-watered land. And it cost him. There was sorrow that came with it. Why? Because he went toward the wicked city. <clears throat> and, you know, and it ended up biting him in Genesis 19:15. And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city. Sorrow with it. Second Peter 2, 8. The Bible says, Peter says, For that righteous man dwelling among them is seeing and hearing. Again, going in his eye holes and his ear holes. Vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Why? Because he wanted to be where the action was. It was covetousness that drew him down there, and it was what destroyed him. You take King Ahab. Ahab wanted a vineyard that was next to his property, and he tried his best to, to, to get, uh, get uh, uh, Naboth to, to, to let him do it. And he said, hey, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll, hey, I'll get you another piece of land. Just let me have that. The Bible said Ahab came into his house heavy. That don't mean he put on a lot of weight. That means he was depressed. Please, because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him, for he had said, I will, not, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down on his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. Oh, poor pitiful man. I can't get what I want. Covetousness. Sorrow with it. If it ain't God's blessing, there's sorrow with it. Then there was the rich man that came to Jesus. And he rejected what Jesus told him. That rich man, listen, it was his riches that were stood in the way of, of eternal life. And, and, and in verse 23 through 26, Jesus said to his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
And again, I say unto you that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With rich, with, with men this is impossible, with, but with God all things are possible. How does a rich man get in the kingdom of heaven? Through Christ. Amen. He, he was saying, listen, he was using that camel through the eye of a needle, and I don't know if that's metaphorically speaking or what that is. Some people say there's a gate where a camel goes through on his knees. I don't know, but I can tell you this. They say that in other places in the Middle East, the phrase is it's easy for an elephant to go through the eye of a needle. So I don't know what it is, but I can tell you this. The idea is preposterous. And the idea is saying that a rich man is not going to be mindful of the things of heaven. A rich man is going to be mindful of the things of this earth and his finances and worrisome about that. And so it's difficult for a man to see his need for Christ when he's got everything he needs. Amen? And there's so many people out around us who think they have everything they need and they don't realize how poor they truly are because they don't have, they don't have the key to heaven. Amen? And, it, and, I, and it's our job to point them to, to the door. It's our job to show them the way in. Amen? And that's what we're talking about, the, the lips of a righteous man and worth of it. And we're to speak righteousness. We're to speak words of truth. We're, we're, to, be, uh, we're to be beacons of, of light shining to let them know that there is, a, there is a better way than the way of this world. There is a highway that's higher than this old world we're traveling on. We need to let them know that Christ is the only way. We need to let them know that, that Christ has all that they need and that they ain't never going to find happiness no other way. Amen. Let's stand together.